Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Moriardi, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. Oh my goodness. It is time for review of the week. And this is a really good one that has me in my feels. So Nora K7 um, is this week's winner. And as a reminder that what is the review of the week? Essentially, you take one minute out of your time, you open up Apple Podcasts, you scroll down until you see the part that says leave a review. You type a little message, a little love note to the podcast, and you post it. What's going to happen is you are going to tell the podcast algorithm that you like this podcast, and it is going to spread our very important message of self-love and self-acceptance to other runners in our community. And you get to win a masterclass, a $100 value masterclass. I have ones on meal prepping. I have ones on self-love. I have ones on hydration. I have ones on sugar cravings. So you get to pick whichever one um, simply just for leaving a podcast review. This week's winner is Nora K7. And she said, always what I need to hear. This week, I was starting out my 12-mile run feeling defeated and unconfident. I decided to turn on this podcast while running, and it completely changed my whole attitude and mindset. Serena shared so many valuable lessons and relatable insecurities. I started out my run that day feeling like I was not an athlete and not good enough. After listening to Serena, my confidence came back, and I was so proud of myself when I finished that run. Thank you so much, Serena. I'm always looking forward to each new episode. Ah. Thank you, Nora. This is why I do what I do. This is why leaving a podcast review is so important because it spreads the podcast to other girls, other ladies who are feeling like they are not worthy to call themselves a runner and just helps them change their tune. So appreciate you. DM me at Serena Marie RD or send me a email Serena at Serena Marie RD.com to let me know um, which masterclass you would like to claim, Nora. Hello, another episode of Dear Runner Bod is in session. I'm Serena, but I have a fun guest with me here today. Hi, everyone. Uh, This is Whitney Miller from the Transcend Podcast. And actually, I'm realizing, as I just said, that we're kind of taking this one episode and sharing it amongst both of our podcasts. So I'm the guest on Whitney's, but she's the guest on my pod. So we're both guests here. Yeah, we're just doing a joint episode, everybody, which – so if you listen to Serena's podcast, nice to meet you. And if you listen to my podcast, meet Serena. <laughs> hello, hello. Yeah, I kind of butchered that beginning. I was like, wait a second. She's not the I only guest great. here. Okay. I think it's great. <laughs> okay, wonderful. So the reason Whitney and I joined forces today was because we were just kind of like hanging out, having a casual like – catch up with each other zoom because we're friends and we both realized that right now this time of year we're both like wildly passionate about something yeah and so the thing we wanted to talk about today was um if you just came off of a goal race now what what are we gonna do now that your goal race is over Yeah. And I think we came to this conclusion about having this conversation because Serena and I were talking and a lot of our clients are coming off their goal race. And 
it's like, well, well, what do I do? Like, what do I do? Right? Like I've spent all this time training for this race and now it's over. What do I do? And there's a lot that goes into it. And so we wanted to really dive into this conversation today because there's so much different, um, information, advice, whatever you want to call it out there about what to do after you complete your big goal race. So that's what we're going to do today. And I even think some people are giving the right advice. Like you may, I mean, okay, this isn't the right advice because every person is different. So I'm not going to say Whitney and my take today is the only way to do it. I truly, I'm not just saying that to be polite. Like I truly think there are people that can go from a goal race into another goal training cycle and they're ready for it. It's fun. It's exciting. It's the right move for them. Um, But I know there's also some of you who are really not in the right headspace to dive into another training cycle with a goal in mind, like a goal pace in mind, who are going to listen to today's pod and just kind of like potentially be like, you know what? I know I hear them, but no, I, I don't want to do that. And so really like Whitney and I are hoping to just kind of communicate with you today, give you some like signs that maybe you should think about approaching post-race, um, the post-race vibes, the way we approach post-goal race vibes. And um, just take it, just like take it, see what you think and do do as you please. It's, it's your body. You are autonomous. You do what you want with your body. Yes, 100%. So I think there's two... I don't know, trains a thought most clients come to me with, and I'm interested to hear, you know, for you, Serena, but the two trains of thought are like, I'm signing up for another race right now and I'm jumping into like a whole new training cycle. That's kind of the A side. The B side is I'm done with my race. I have no idea what to do. I am devastated that my race is over, whether it was good or bad. I'm just devastated. It's over. And now what, like, what do I do? I spent so much time training for this amazing thing I did. What on earth do I do? So those are the two pieces I usually see. Do you agree with that? Or do you have something different? No, I totally agree. And I almost would take it and this is kind of the same as the B, the B side of the coin you were just describing. But I think some people, if they don't have that like really strict regimented goal to pursue, it's almost like they go to now like the complete opposite where maybe they just like stop um, moving their body and obviously taking rest and taking time off to just do nothing, I think is a beautiful, important piece of the recovery process. But, you know, after a few weeks, a month, um, you know, we want to just start getting curious about how much movement do we need to at least feel like good in our body and energized um, without it maybe being such like a structured, rigid goal. Right. Yeah. And, you know, as endurance athletes, we love to like have that like goal, that structure, that like, um, you know, thing to to go towards. However, what if we didn't have to? Like, what if we approached after a big race in a manner of not what the hell do I do? And I'm so lost. I can't even think or trust my body or whatever, right? What if we approach it as like, I want to spend time celebrating this time and space that I just completed? I think that would really be part of an off season. 
I think that would really shift how people approach off season, right? Because I think so often if you're not pursuing the big goal or pursuing the next big goal, you're just like, then why am I doing this thing? But Whitney, what I'm hearing is just saying like, by taking your fitness level and enjoying movement in a way that just makes you feel good, that's almost like a way for you to celebrate like all the strength you had gained during your last training cycle. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah. Well, yeah. And also celebrate every moment of the training cycle. We often focus on the outcome, right? So if the outcome wasn't what you wanted, like then the whole thing was just a bust. Well, what if we had some designated time to celebrate not only the outcome, whether or not it went well, right? I mean, that doesn't matter. Like celebrate the outcome, but also like what about every little tiny thing you did every single day that led you to even get to the start line to begin with? Yeah. And so I think what you're saying is like beyond just like the the speed you've gained or the strength you've gained, but like the fact that you were consistently moving and you were consistently fueling and you were prioritizing sleep and you were setting boundaries around, you know, socialization or alcohol so that you could show up to your workouts feeling good. Like all of these other pieces that I think we just kind of like assume like, oh, it's no big deal. Like I'm doing this thing, but actually it did kind of take up your bandwidth, right? Like when you're saying no to things and prioritizing long runs or prioritizing, you know, arduous workouts, we are, while we're committing to that, kind of not doing these other behaviors. And I think it's like this really important time where you can reflect and say, some of those things, maybe like it wasn't filling up my cup. Like maybe I did want to go out with my friends more than I did when I was training. But then some of it might be good. Like, oh, wait a second. Like not drinking Friday, Saturday, and Sunday actually felt phenomenal. Like I want to take something and keep running with that even when training's over. Yes. And so what I call that is being savage in the essentials. So one thing I like to celebrate with clients is like what celebrations do you have for being savage in those essentials. And like you said, then looking at, well, what maybe like, you know what, I'd really like to let that go because I'm not training for something. But what things really served you? What can you continue to be savage in because they really created consistency, motivation, celebration within yourself that allowed it to trickle over into your life? Like you said, I love the word savage. Like that just makes it so much more enticing to me where I'm like, yeah, I'm savage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it it really appeals to that like endurance mindset, right? Because we love to be like hardcore. So, (laughs) you know, like, but if we think about being savage in the essentials, it's like if we go to basic sleep, I guarantee you prioritize sleep when you were training for a big race or your goal race, can you prioritize sleep so that maybe you're not so cranky at work and maybe you're drinking less caffeine, which is affecting your GI tract, it's making you feel better. Like, right. So it's kind of all these things that can filter down that without taking that pause to celebrate, athletes have zero idea that it's even has, like it even has benefited them. Do you see that with clients? Like if they don't take time to celebrate, it's like there's no connection to any type of benefit that the training period gave them because it's so focused on the outcome. 
Absolutely. Like, I think the thing that's really powerful to take away from this is I almost think the training cycle or the race is like the very extreme. And like, listen, we're, we're endurance athletes. We love extremes. I get that. It's in our nature. Like, I'm not trying to diss that part of our personality. However, it's not the marathon training cycle, the 5K training cycle, the weightlifting competition training cycle that makes you actually feel better. It is the consistent habits and the boundaries you're setting and the prioritization of self-care and fuel and movement that's making you feel better. And so I think so often there's this black and white thinking that's really common in the athletes I work with, where it's like, if I'm not training for XYZ race, then I fall off the bandwagon. I don't take care of myself. I don't meal prep. I don't sleep. Like it just like completely goes out the window. Now, listen, of course, it's okay to sign up for several races a year if that brings you pleasure and joy. However, I think what Whitney and I are saying is like, can we give you some credit here? It's not the race that's actually making you feel better. It's like you yourself prioritizing you that's making you feel better. And we don't need a race on the calendar to do that. Do you realize that? Yeah. And I think that's the huge takeaway, right? And You know, if we keep doing that, what I've seen is that then what happens is our worth is tied so deeply to these races. Our worth is tied so deeply to these medals. Our worth is tied so deeply to I've done six big races this year or whatever, right? And or I'm a fill-in-the-blank marathoner, ultramarathoner, Spartan athlete, whatever, that we almost fall into like a mental health decline when we are not signed up for races because our worth is so tied to that. It's so tied to our performance. And we could, I could have a whole, we could have like 28 podcasts about this and about the number of professional athletes and collegiate athletes that have gone through this, are going through this currently. I mean, this is a real thing. So It's valid to say, you know, what is the purpose of signing up for another race? Like, what is it going to give you? Ooh, that's juicy. Right? Yeah. It's interesting because I polled um, some people on social media for a workshop I did recently. And I asked, like, how do you celebrate yourself after you complete your goal race? Nine out of – 10 people, you know, I don't know how many people replied, but let's just give that, you know, like a high, high percentage of people said they post it on social media and that was it. Mm. Or they don't celebrate it at all. Like it was just like, oh, I did that. As if it was like no big deal. I mean, then why, what is, what is doing a race tied to then? If we're not even taking the time, right. We're not even taking the time to celebrate it. Yeah. And I, you know, I want to just be very transparent. Like this is something I have been currently like actively working on. Like that was part of the reason I, I did a marathon in 2023 was to unlearn this because I started running in high school when I was a teenager and I had a lot of that mean girl, like, oh, it's just a 5K. Who cares? Like, everyone's doing it, right? It's not true. It, it's not logical. It's not rational. It's not kind. But it was just like, I didn't take any time to acknowledge my accomplishments. And then I think even as I started to 
you know, do the inner work and kind of move past some of these like identity pieces that were tying me to this mean self-talk, I stayed stuck in this, like, am I doing this for the social media likes? Like, I kind of feel like Mm. that was like accidentally like a a bucket I started to fall into. And so um, I think it's really important to like say to yourself, you're not doing this for the social media likes. You're not sure. Maybe a little bit of your ego likes that. That's okay. You're human. That's fine. But like, what are the other reasons you're doing this? And I know for me, like with my recent race and my race didn't go the way I wanted to, I didn't come close to the time goal I had set out for myself. Um, if you ask me how I celebrated myself, this is going to sound weird, but like I did a lot of crying, like, but like happy tears of like, like, this is amazing that I did. Like, I don't think I ever really said to myself, you're amazing that you can run for hours and hours and hours. And you can do this every single weekend for months upon months upon months. And before I even got to that starting line, I was crying tears of gratitude for my body. And that was really how I celebrated. I don't know if that's appealing. No, but that's, but that's what like we're talking about here. And I remember messaging you and saying, I'm so proud of you because that is what it's about. Like that is when it shifts from external celebration to internal celebration and we're training for ourselves versus other people or social media likes or like to say we're a marathoner or, you know, whatever, to give ourselves a title, to seem like a badass, to whatever, fill in the blank. It changes how you show up on race day, you know, every time you go out for a workout, you know, it it changes. So Winnie, what are some other ways your clients celebrate themselves um, after they have a race or a yeah, training? Well, I think that's um, that's what I a lot of what I work with clients on is they don't right. They've been in experiences where um, you know it's just something they do. Like I hear that a lot. Well, it's just something I do, right? So, like you said, they're not acknowledging like that they can run for hours and hours and hours, or they can show up every day you know, throughout their week and exercise, right? Or that they can listen to their body and do a recovery workout versus, you know, continue to push hard. So really, I mean, athletes that come to me are challenged with celebrating themselves. And I think that's why this conversation is so important. And I will tell you personally, you know, it's funny hearing you say like you were like the race part, right? For me, I always loved, and I still do, the journey. I hated races. I still don't really love them. Um, I didn't love competing um, at meets when I was a swimmer in college and my entire life. I loved the, the journey. But what I had a problem with is I still was focused on the outcome. And that's what I see in a lot of clients. Like no matter if you love the journey or you love that the the you know the goal right everyone is so focused on that outcome so for me no matter if i could you know i showed up every practice i did every workout i um you know beat my times in practice numerous times like i you know et cetera et cetera et cetera it wouldn't matter come meet day in college because i didn't swim this time and so I think that's why celebration can't just be like the the day, the outcome. It has to be 
continual. Like you have to celebrate like it's your job. Like almost like you would celebrate, I say this to clients a lot, but almost like you would celebrate a toddler. Yeah. You know, because you're trying to reiterate behaviors that you want them to do. You know, oh my gosh, you cleaned up. Thank you so much. What a great job. You know, like treating yourself like that and to an extent. So that's something that, um, you know, I talk to clients about and I encourage them to to do with themselves. Um, and it's not something that changes overnight, right? Like I'm yeah. sure that didn't happen for you, right? It doesn't happen for me. I still struggle with it. Um but it's it's a it's a power practice that continues to build power and build intensity and build intention as you continue to do it. And here's what I always tell clients is like it also makes the journey more fun because if we're just celebrating the big sexy outcome, the social media posts where you get to be like, I did the thing, celebrate me. Um, and then, you know, we could open up a whole other can of worms is if you don't get your goal or if you get your goal, but you were 10 seconds away from chasing your other goal. Like I used to just like, yeah, I did that. But like, oh, if I run 15 seconds, like, come on, Serena, like, come on, like celebrate yourself. Right. I just look back on myself. I'm like, God, girl, like you did not cut yourself a break. Um, but when I'm working with clients, we have this big goal, right? Stop binge eating, run the marathon, run the ultra without bonking, like whatever it is. Right. And yes, celebrating that end goal is so satisfying and so delightful and ah, it's amazing. However, if we're just waiting for the goal that's going to be happening in three months, six months to celebrate yourself, you're going to lose interest. Like we are human beings. We are wired to seek pleasure. Like that is just in our biology that doesn't make you a bad or a weirdo. Um, So if we get to say, hey, I'm celebrating the fact that you meal prepped every day and you had a lunch to eat when you were super busy and you used to skip lunch. I know it seems little. I know it's not, you know, the thing that you hired me for, but dang, that is, that's hard to be consistent. And like eventually when you have Whitney or Serena like reminding you, hey, celebrate this. Hey, celebrate this. Hey, that was hard. And you're doing it consistently now. Isn't that impressive? You start to think that way too. We're Mm -hmm. like, wait a second. I don't have to PR the race to know that between that time and the race, I have done so many things consistently that have made me feel so good in my body. Yeah. And I, that's such a huge piece, right? Is like the identification of those things. So, a good question that I like to ask clients is what's going well? We always start every session that way. But this is something like then, think about it. You could ask yourself, like, let's say you had a shit run. You could ask yourself, okay, I know that was a shit run, but what went well about that? Well, let's see. When I was thinking this is a shit run, I'm going to stop and I'm going to just like ball my eyes out. I said, you know what? I'm strong. I can take a deep breath. I can keep going. I can reevaluate in another half mile. Maybe that's the only thing. Maybe the only thing you celebrate is that, you know what? I did it. Like it was shit, but I did it. Right? So Kind of coming back to that thought of finding those little things, identifying those little things, because then your brain is going to start looking for those things versus looking for the negative things that we are very, very conditioned to look for as a society. 
What do you say to someone, Whitney, who comes back from the shit run and says, Whitney, I'm a shit athlete because I had a shit run? Like, I know that seems like such an extreme jump, but I think all of us right now, we're like, yeah, we've had that moment before. Yep. Oh, yeah. Totally done that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to like the whole worth being tied to performance. We have got to, as athletes, stop believing that we are our sport that we are like we are our run we are our swim we are whatever it is we've got to stop believing that because when that goes away where's your worth coming from like where is your worth coming from like let's say you get sick and you can't run for a week where's your worth coming from let's say you get injured right? I mean, you're in a car accident and your ankle gets broken. Where's your worth coming from? And that's where I see clients really go into like mental health crisis, right? Because it becomes, I'm a shit athlete. I'm, you know, not, I, I'm never going to be able to do this again. Like I used to be this fast of a runner, but I'm not anymore. And so I'm not as good as I used to be. Like, we have to work on the identity piece really intentionally so that we can separate our worth from our sport, our worth from our movement, and have a bigger picture of why we are worthy. And that's hard. I'm not saying that's easy. Like, that's why, Serena, you know, you work with clients. That's why I work with clients. That's why we both have worked with coaches to help support our, you know, limiting beliefs and our negative um, connection to our identities and re, you know, work those. But you have to look at that. You can't just pretend it's not there. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think when we start jumping to those conclusions because we have a bad workout or a bad race or a bad season of training, whatever it is, you need to go back to your values and you need to start evaluating like zoom out and think of like who you are as a whole person. Think of how you, when you meet others, how you assess whether that person is worth spending time with, right? Like I would guarantee everyone listening to this podcast right now isn't like, I will only think somebody is worth spending time with or enjoyable to be around if they are also a runner who runs the exact thing I run. Like, no. So we have to look at our values. We have to figure out what do we, what are important to us? What's important to us in life? Is it family? Is it religion? Is it, um, you know, is it the way I um, give and I'm accepting of others? Like there's all these different value systems. And so a lot of times when I'm working with clients and we're teasing through this identity piece of, and for my athletes, it's often I have to look a certain way in order to sure. be a runner sure. or to be an athlete. Um, and so we have to look into their values and start to now challenge all of this mean self-talk, all of these core beliefs that I am a shit person if I have a shit run, right? We'll just we'll just work from that one. Yeah. That core belief, I'm going to guarantee you right now, does not align, align with your values. And when you take it back and start thinking about what are my values and what does this mean self-talk that lives inside of me, we start to poke holes in the story and we realize, 
wait a second, these, these negative mean core beliefs, it's not me. It's not my belief system. It's something that somebody planted in me along the way. It's a coping mechanism, a safety net that I created for myself often when I was in a, in a younger place, a younger, a younger version of myself. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought that up because it starts in our young relationships and it starts in our young relationships to sport. So that starts with people like you and I, coaches, and how we interact with clients, how we interact with athletes. And we have to stop seeing athletes as performance-based, right? And that they're only worth their performance. Like I think especially in, you know, high school, in collegiate, um, you know, athletics, like in professional athletics, like a lot of times athletes are seen primarily for their performance. And when that performance lags or declines, they are moved to a different position, they are cut, et cetera. However, it goes back to like even start, like I'm just thinking of T-ball, like how do we approach young athletes as coaches and how do we share with them, you are more than this game, you are more than this sport, you are more than that hit you just made, you know, if we're talking about T-ball. But, you know, it's like we have to think back to those as adults and our experiences and think about how they have defined us as athletes. But it's our job as coaches to look at athletes and see them for the human. Like we have to stop dehumanizing athletes in the sport world. Um, And and I'm talking more, you know, about kind of collegiate athletics and like high school athletics and things like that, Um, team athletics. But I think it's it's done too in the space of like one-on-one coaching, you know, where it's like if people don't make their goal, well – what did they do wrong? And, you know, that's the the coach's job too, to help celebrate, to help the athlete view it as a celebration and a learning experience versus like, well, my performance wasn't what I wanted. So that means I'm, I wasn't worthy of even like saying I did that goal. Right. It's like, and I, and I, you know, I can't even imagine how hard it is now. Um, it's hard for all of us adults to like, you know, adults be adulting and it's hard, but like, even yeah. for like these younger athletes who are like kids and teenagers growing up in this era of like so much social media influence and so much, like you can find a TikTok that says eating, I'm just completely making this up. This is not real, but like eating cauliflower is the reason you are running slow. Like I guarantee yeah. there's some crazy TikTok out there that says that. Well, yeah. like, it makes well no sense. let's just, what about the whole um, people are using Heinz ketchup as their fuel during race during runs? Have you seen that? No, but like, oh my gosh, it's like adding absurd. five calories. Yeah, right. But it's like you know, and when you really look at it, it it like nutrition wise, it has no validity. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, but people are listening to that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think it's like when you, we are primed as, as humans to kind of have this negative bias where we're just going to always assume like, 
oh, I'm not doing well enough. Like there has to be a reason. Like you have to be very intentional and very mindful to realize like that negative self-talk is not real. And I can find the win. What Whitney was just talking about. I can find the win. I can celebrate the win and I can get curious and learn how to continue to better myself. But it is so destructive when you have a coach. Let's say it was when you're, you were younger. Um, or let's say it's currently like you can totally hire like some BS macro coach who's going to be like, oh, the reason is because you need to cut your fat macros or some crazy thing, right? That's why you didn't PR your race. Um, but then also we're getting inundated on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and who else knows where with all of these like crazy health beliefs, like, oh, drink. Someone was saying like drink um like detergent or something. Like there's so many crazy yeah. health uh pretend health claims out there. So my point being is we are primed to want to believe those things, to believe, oh, if I just cut the macros or eat the ketchup instead of the goose, like this is the solution. But we need to zoom out and we need to realize that. Fitness is supposed to feel good. Like when you are pursuing your goals, they should be making you feel good. Now, of course, there's going to be discomfort as we are growing bigger muscles and getting faster and you're going to be pushing yourself and, and getting that, ex that, that tired feeling because you're pushing yourself. But it shouldn't be this chronic state of like, I'm dreading my workouts. I'm exhausted. I have no energy. All of my workouts are killing me. I have no time to recoup. If that is the case, you either need to one, tell your coach. And if your coach says like, it is what it is, you need a new coach. You need yep. a new approach to fitness yeah. because that is not what fitness is. Right. There's a quote by uh, Matt Fitzgerald that I wrote down because I wanted to get it right. But it says, the highest purpose of sport is not to determine winners and loser losers, but rather to train the mind for success. Amazing. A success that goes well beyond sport. Amazing. And when you think about it that way, right, like we have to train our mind for success and we live in a world that doesn't do that. So if you're listening to this podcast, like congratulations, you're on the side of, you know, <laughs> the space where we do want to train our minds for success, right? And But success isn't just the medal, the PR, the, you know – um, completion. It, it's the everyday thing. It's the overcoming challenge time and time again. It's the, you know, choosing yourself time and time again. It's seeing yourself as, you know, an athlete who prioritizes sleep and prioritize, prioritizes nutrition and prioritizes your mental health. I mean, I could go on and on. So I think that's a really good takeaway, um, Serena, just, you know, if you're sitting in a space where you're just accepting like, well, it's just this way, get curious and start to wonder, does it have to be? What if it wasn't? Like if it wasn't this way, what could it be? Hmm. Like what is the dream? Because sometimes the dream is actually can actually be reality. We just have to take away that block we have of thinking that way in our training, in our life, et cetera. Yeah. It, it's so much easier to continue pursuing your dream when you stay consistent. And the key to staying consistent is celebration. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there is actual research that shows 
having self-compassion leads to resiliency. What do we need as endurance athletes? We need resiliency because your kid is going to interrupt your workout and you're not going to get it done. And you have to show up the next day and move forward and keep working out. Or your race, you're not going to PR every race. Like, sorry, just here's the reality check. That's impossible. So you're going to have a race where you don't PR. Does that make you give up? If it does, you're not resilient, right? So we need to have self-compassion in order to say, I'm going to have the bad days. I'm going to have the difficult times of life where things are not perfect. Things don't feel good. But how do I deal with that? Do I just cower and I say, I'm not good enough. I, I can't do this anymore. Or do we say, hey, I need to work within my circumstance. How do I adjust the game plan so I can be resilient, so I can keep showing up? And I think this is the thing that nobody talks about in this diet culture toxic fitness world we live in is people are like, go hard or go home, no days off. Um, a lot of this like idea that you have to have the most hardcore mindset in order to celebrate yourself and to be worthy of praise and to get the likes on social media. But I think what Whitney and I are saying is that actually the secret to success here is to simply just be kind and compassionate and understanding of your situation as it comes towards you day to day. And when you're able to do that, you're able to stay the course and you're able to chase the goal and you're able to achieve your dreams. And you're not putting this crazy timeline on yourself of it needs to be done in the next six months. Otherwise, I didn't achieve it. And there we go. I give up. Right? Like there's so much um, good that comes from simply just having a little bit of self-compassion. And like I said, research truly shows it's the resilient piece, the piece that you become resilient rather than just saying, I give up when something becomes hard. Yeah. And I love that you brought up the brain piece. I was hoping you would do that (laughs) Um, because I feel like that's something, you know, we don't, we don't realize, but resiliency is like a life skill, right? We we have to have it, um, especially to live in this like wild world we live in. But what I love to to think, and um, I try to tell myself in difficult times and the same with athletes is to start to tell yourself, I believe I am skilled in going through challenge because that could be anything, right? And And I don't mean like, well, challenges is always going to be here and like I always have to go through it. I mean, as in like, no matter what happens, no matter what kind of challenge it is, whether it's my kid interrupting me working out, whether it's that, you know, I got caught in traffic on the way home. And so my workout, you know, has to be shortened because I have to, you know, meet somebody for dinner, you know, whatever. That is a challenge, right? And powerfully pivoting to your circumstance. So Serena, I'm going to share this and I really haven't, uh, well, I've told you this, I haven't told anybody else this, but the off season, like sitting in the off season is that acceptance, right? It's that acceptance, that compassion, that um, kindness to yourself. And although I haven't been in an off season, like from a race, this whole year has really been an off season for me because I've been sitting in a really deep space of grief and I haven't found a lot of joy and like doing hard endurance activities um, or even going on like an easy run because my body is just so 
overwhelmed in general. And so what's been feeling really good to me in this off season is like slower movement, strength training, just focusing on being kind. But I will tell you, it is a fight. Like it is a fight because of this mentality that we're all, you know, like bombarded with. And so even, you know, people who are coaches, even people who have like done this quote work, you know, to sit here and have a podcast, like we are not the experts because we go through things and we have to revert back to these like, you know, challenging things that we are experiencing or going through. And we have to think like, okay, how can I be resilient? How can I overcome this challenge? How can I be kind to myself? And it's important to do that in the off season because not only for like scientific recovery purposes, right, for the body, but also like training for a race mentally is very, very, very heavy. And it's very, it takes up a lot of space. So give yourself some time in that celebration space to lean into walking, to lean into yoga, to lean into maybe some things that like you've always wanted to do, but during your training cycle, you didn't have time for like rock climbing or, you know, a fitness class, you know, things like that. So I think that's part of the celebration space too, is like allowing yourself to take that time for compassion, for celebration and for recovery too. I, first of all, thank you for sharing that with everyone so that we can all learn from your story. And, you know, I think something I just want to like kind of congratulate Whitney here, just in case she can't see it, right? Because we're always celebrating the wins is, and I know anyone listening to this agrees with me. Everyone here has had a period where they get injured or some crazy thing happens in their life and they can't do the race or do whatever it was they had anticipated doing. And it puts you in this freeze where you're like, I can't do that thing. I feel so shameful or guilty or angry Angry. that I can't do the thing. And so I'm just going to sit on the couch and watch TV and feel sorry for myself. So Whitney, while I- Or the opposite. I'm going to just do it anyway and continue to feel angry and frustrated because every time I do it, my body is telling me like, this is – like you need to take a break. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Either extreme. We do nothing or we punish. Yes. Oh, oh. You just like put – I can feel like 25-year-old Serena struggling, going through a really bad time and abusing exercise uh, yep. to, to punish myself, which is so sad. But I can feel that piece of me. Um, so either extreme, not good. And so I just want to say, how beautiful is it that you have been able to say, hey, I'm going to move in a way that's very gentle and makes me and fills up my cup right now. And sure, I'm a little bit judging myself that I'm not out there running. Like, yeah, you're human. I get that. But how beautiful is it that you're in you're in the gray space, right? You're not punishing yourself and just saying, Whitney, you have to train for a marathon because you're on Runstagram and you got to do it. And you're not just sitting on the couch being like, I feel like crap. I feel like crap. I feel like crap. And so I just want to acknowledge like, 
what an inspiration you are to me. And I'm sure anyone listening to this right now that you've made, you've carved out that, that place and movement that feels good while your heart has been so heavy this year. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) That's really sweet. Thank you. And you know, it's, it's stuff that like, I don't, I mean, like, I didn't want to like share that, you know, I, it, it's, you hesitate to share these things because like you said, you know, you're, you're on the gram, you're supposed to be X, Y, and Z. But the reality is, is like people were people, like we're people and we're people first, we're humans first. Yeah. We're not robots. So, right. We're not robots. We're not professional athletes where we're getting paid to show up no matter what the hell is going on. And that is a whole topic we could talk about too. But, you know, like we have to, um, humanize ourselves. We have to see ourselves as humans. So thank you for that. Yeah. I just think it's so ridiculous. I, I know why you said it, but it's like how how fucked is our culture that we need to like remind ourselves that we're human. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Oh, reminder, yeah. you're human. <laughs> right. Exactly. I know. And it's, you know, the same as um that phrase like you're not a human doing, you're a human being. Mm. Right? Like we, you know, we think like do, 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 do. We have to all do all the things. But it's like, what about being? Like how, you know what I mean? And that's a very, that is a very hard concept. I will tell everybody, like I have spent years with a coach on that concept alone, like how to be. Because we're driven individuals. If you are an endurance athlete, you are driven by ambition. However, if you're never sitting back into your body and just being, like, you're almost like not living your own life because you're always outside of yourself just doing. And looking for that external validation. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens when people sign up for race after race after race is unless they have intentional practices of like, recovery and celebration period, and then like, you know, preparing for their next race. I think that's what happens is they get in a cycle of like, do, 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 do versus like reflection and being and enjoyment and celebration. And you know what? Maybe I don't want to run a race right now. Maybe I want to take some time and just go to yoga classes and like join my friend at pickleball and, you know, do these things that maybe they want to do, but they don't allow themselves to have the time. They don't choose to do that for themselves. Yeah. You know, something we didn't talk about a lot today, and I know this episode is is getting kind of long, but I just want to acknowledge it briefly. Um, I have had athletes, you know, as they're kind of recovering from their disordered relationship with food and exercise, need to completely put a pause on movement. Like literally, they realize like running is not good for me. I have been abusing my body and like yeah. I need to sleep a lot or I need to just like walk and listen to podcasts or I yeah. need to sit on the couch and relax. And I just want to like give a little plug for that season of life where sometimes sitting on the couch and watching the Sex and the City reruns, actually, you're not sitting there like, I feel like crap. I feel like crap. You're actually sitting there and you're like, this is luxurious. This feels so good. Uh, I needed this. And like, if you're in that season, we didn't really talk about that today. So I just want to like 
make sure you know that that is also important and restorative yes. to your nervous system and valid. And Whitney and I could have a whole other like 17 hour oh, yeah. conversation about yeah. that. Yeah. But no, I'm really glad you brought that up because especially with disordered eating, you know, area and like disordered movement area, that is definitely a thing. And I also think for, um, I've seen like highly anxious behavior, like needing to take a break from, um, movement, you know? And so I think that is a really good thing to mention. And if you're listening to this and you're struggling with that, I'm going to, um, suggest a book to you. It is called Wintering by Catherine May. And it's all about, it does coincide with like the season winter. And there is a lot about how to see winter as, um, you know, a season of enjoyment versus like hating winter quote. But that's really not what the book is about. The book is about being in a season where you need to rest. You need to sit on the couch and watch the sex in the city. You need to, you know, maybe not do um, crazy intentional movement. You know, maybe it's like, you know, I need to just dance or whatever. But it's about more of like, accepting that time in your life and how to navigate that time in a way that totally reframes it from I'm lazy. So it's a really great book if you're struggling um, in a season where you feel like you should be doing more or society is telling you you should be doing more and you need to really redefine how you see that season of your life. It's a really, really great book. Thank you for that suggestion. I wrote it down. Um, and I actually love that, you know, this podcast for my, for Dear Runner Bot, it's going to be released here in the winter. So I think yeah. that like perfectly coincides with everything we're discussing today. Um, Winnie, how about before we kind of wrap up here, should we give like maybe like a little bit of homework, like an action sure. item that somebody can do sure. if they are kind of thinking about maybe trying to take an off season? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, would you like to go first? Sure. I will go okay. first. Um, so I want to, and I specialize in the disordered eating, you know, kind of toxic relationship with exercise. So if you're my people, then this may be helpful for you. If you are realizing, you know, you're tired of waking up early to work out or you're tired of, you know, scheduling your workouts and you're feeling like I need to sign up for a race, but I just, I don't want to, it doesn't um, energetically feel like the right move for me. It's not charging my battery anymore. Um, but maybe the reason you are considering signing up for the next race or, or jumping into the next training cycle is because you truly just feel anxious if you are not moving your body every day or most days. And so this is not going to be like the transformational solution here because I think you might need a little bit more support. Um, but here's where I want you to start. I want you to kind of almost make a compromise with yourself. A lot of times as athletes, especially as runners, we become very attached to what we were saying earlier, the external validation, the numbers, seeing the calories burned or seeing the miles run or the weights lifted. And we stop kind of paying attention to how our physical body feels. So I would like for you to choose one day during the week where maybe you have, uh, let's say a 30 minute workout or a 45 minute workout planned. And I want you to take 
take two to five minutes of that workout. And instead of working out during them, I want you to either lay on the ground or sit on the couch. And I want you to rest your hands on your chest. If it feels safe um, for you to close your eyes, I think closing your eyes can be wonderful. I love putting on a sound bath. Whitney taught me all about that. (laughs) I like putting on a sound bath from Apple Music or Spotify and just sit there and breathe. It sounds so boring. You're like, that's so boring. I don't want to do that. Just do it, please. Two minutes, okay? And just breathe and feel your heartbeat and feel your chest rise and fall with your breaths. Maybe you take some deeper breaths. Um, You know, if you're laying on the ground, maybe you actually want to start rubbing your hands together. That can be really calming for the amygdala, the limbic part of our brain. Um, And so I want you to just literally sit in that discomfort. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be like, I want to go running. I want to move, 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 move. I want you to practice the discomfort of being still and connecting with your body. And what this is actually doing, it is training our nervous system to realize that we can be still and we can be safe. Nothing bad happens when we're not burning lots of calories. And so again, that is just like a starting place, but taking that two minutes to rest and listen to your body and feel your hands rise and fall as you're breathing can be a really beautiful start to reconnecting with your teammate, which is your body. Um, So that would be what I would suggest is maybe even if you want to sign up for the next race, can we take two to five minutes at least once a week to practice this somatic homework. I love that. And I love that like what I'm going to say is totally like opposite. So this is so fun because there is such an important piece about connecting to like your somatic experience within yourself. And I'm so glad you shared that because it's so, so helpful, especially with having so much time spent training, your mind being connected to that, you know, et cetera, like to give yourself some time to just like, you know, decompress. Um, I think for me, what I'm going to focus on is really finding things that are going well. So I would really encourage you to make that a daily practice. So even if it looks like at the end of your day saying, okay, what went well today? Something like that. Um, You could do it with your workout, sure. Um, You could even do it like if you have a challenging experience, what went well about that experience? So maybe it was that, you know what, I took some deep breaths and I was patient and I didn't bite the person's head off, you know, or whatever. Um, But look for what's going well and start documenting that like in your Rolodex and your mind. And then if you want to take it a step further, I really would suggest after a big race, and big is your definition, right, to sit down and write down your celebrations. And I want you to get like as simple as possible. So like the celebration that I like had all my fuel, I tied my shoes and they didn't come untied. And I saw my partner at mile seven and got to hug them. Like I'm talking like almost over the top, like kind of quote silly, which they're not silly, you know, but like what your brain might think is silly, like go over and over the top and start identifying celebrations from your training cycle, from your race and really make a list and sit with that. And then if you want to take it a step further, share that with somebody. 
You know, sit down and share it with somebody you care about, your partner, your best friend, um, your dog, you know, um, and be proud of those things, you know, even if it feels weird because it will feel weird. But just make it a practice after every, you know, big race that you do to make that connection to celebration and make it intentional. I have like goosebumps. That is such good homework to give. I love that. I'm going to do that for my own race. Yeah. Um, I love that. I would love if you're going to take any of the suggestions from today's podcast, the, the the homework assignments that I just gave you or even something earlier you heard, if you decide you're going to do them, um, maybe share it on social media, on Instagram, maybe yeah. send me a DM at Serena Marie RD or Whitney where they, they can DM you. Yeah. Um, so you could DM me or tag me at transcend.health.and.wellness. So yeah, yeah, I would love that. Share a win. I would love that yeah. too. And you know, um, if you're not comfortable sharing, you know, all the things, you can always put like a cover over it, you know, and tag us. Like it doesn't – your life doesn't have to be, you know, content for everybody, um, but you can still celebrate that you did that. Yeah. Or just DM us privately or yeah. just put it – tell your your partner. You don't have to tell me. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I don't know. I always say like talking to the podcast world, it's like this like black hole. So whenever yeah. someone reaches out on Instagram and is like, oh, I heard on my, your podcast. I'm like, wait, what? You've listened to that thing? Yeah. It's like the most exciting thing ever. It is. Um, it really so is. If you want to make my day, you can DM me. <laughs> yes. I agree with that. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode of Dear Runner Bod. And the Transcend Podcast. We're so excited to do this for you guys. And we really love um, hearing from you, like Serena said. So please, you know, comment, share this with somebody you know who might be struggling with, you know, the in-between of just completing a race to whatever is next for them. And um, know that you can always book a session with Serena or myself. Um, anytime. And we'd love to talk to you about any of these things that we've discussed today in the podcast episode. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear Runner Bod. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.